Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is a Flashpoint Extra. I'm Flashpoint host, Terry Gregg. Flashpoint family. Now, y'all all know that I am a lawyer by trade, but what you may not know is that I spent nearly five years working as an intellectual property lawyer. So, a copyright case brought by a Philadelphia man against writer producer Lee Daniels. That's right, Lee Daniels, okay, the butler, all of that, Empire. Um, that sort of caught my eye. Now, in this case, um, the man alleges. That the Fox hit Empire, you know, Taraji P, uh, Terrence Howard, all of those, it was a stolen idea. Now he he alleges that he that that Lee Daniels had access to this information before the show came out and actually took it from him, and uh, and since the show has blown up. Now the charges that were filed, he put all this in court, filed a complaint. It's been going on for a couple of years now. They were dismissed both at the district court and the Third Circuit level. But now he has not given up. He's filed a claim with the U.S. Supreme Court asking for a writ of cert. Now, with me in the studio to discuss his case is Clayton Prince. Clayton, welcome to Flashpoint and to the KYW studios. Thank you so much for having me. Now, this really did catch my eye because as an IP lawyer, I'm like, copyright infringement. How did it go this far? And given the story that I've heard, and I haven't heard it from you, I was like, well, I, I'm surprised that it was dismissed. So so tell me basically how, you know, how in the world did you come in contact with Lee Daniels to a space where now you're saying he stole your idea? Okay, well, uh, I met Lee at a, a function here in Philly uh, established by the Greater Philadelphia Film Office uh, called Set in Philly, Philly Pitch, which is pretty much where... The film office, uh, they ask for a lot of people who have a script that can be shot in Philadelphia. Um, if they can pitch that to a panel of judges who are supposed to have enough clout to give it a green light. Um, I was chosen as one of the people to pitch two ideas, one called The Kung Fu Sissy, another called uh, Cream. Kung Fu Sissy was an action comedy, uh, and Cream was, in my opinion, uh, just like Empire. So uh, I pitched those two things in front of Lee Daniels, and... Um, it was all videotaped. The entire pitch was videotaped. Um, uh, at the meeting, at one point, uh, Lee Daniels and I, we started talking one-on-one, and he was really into the idea of cream. He said, oh, my God, this is genius. This is brilliant. Who else knows about this? And I thought that was an odd question to ask at a pitch meeting, but I didn't want to accuse anybody of, of saying anything that was, that was offhand. So I just said, no, not too many people know about it. 
And he said, oh, my God, do you have any kind of protection on this at all? This is so good. So that, you know, set up a little red flag to me. But, again, I didn't want to accuse anybody of anything um, because – and also I felt I have two things on my side. One, I have a valid copyright, which is dated back in 2005. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the people at the Greater Philadelphia Film Office were my friends, and they were videotaping this whole thing. So I knew if something happened, my friends at the film office had the videotape, they would have my back. Um, so uh, Lee refused to give me any kind of uh, of, of – contact information on himself, but he did take the DVD that I shot. I shot two different DVDs of my idea, one in 2005, one in 2010. Uh, I met Lee in 2008. So here's a letter from the film office uh, stating that I definitely did pitch those two ideas to Lee Daniels and to a few other judges on the panel. Mm-hmm. They gave me more information than I even asked for. Um, so I didn't hear from Lee, and uh, I produced another version. Of, I, out of my own pocket, I shot four episodes of Cream, which can now be seen on Amazon Prime, by the way. Um, but I had a screening here um, of, of my version of Cream, and you can see the date. You can read that off so your mm-hmm. listeners can hear. Yeah. And, and please read the tagline if you can. It says, uh, Cream, uh, uh, Winston St. James soon discovers that it's lonely at the top. He must defend his empire, big ball of records, from the greedy hands of family, friends, and lovers. How does he keep it all together? You'll have to come out and see. And then this is the premiere. It's dated October 4th, 2010. There's a record, <laughs> a gun, and uh, looks like studio speakers and all that behind behind uh, the record and the gun. So uh, you had some comments there, and it's and it dated 2010. Yeah. So clearly I called my show also uh, Empire. Yeah. So I referred to it in 2010. Empire, the television show, premiered uh, 2015. Yeah. So um, funny thing about this, as you can see, I was on my, I took a screenshot from Facebook. Mm-hmm. So uh, at one point after the lawsuit started, um, I, I was typing Lee Daniels' name in, in, a, in a comment. And, you know, sometimes when you're on Facebook, you write someone's name and it gives you a list of all your friends who, who have that name or similar to it. The name Leah Daniels popped up in my friends. I was like, Leah Daniels? Who, who's Leah Daniels Butler? So I clicked on it. It turned out that was his sister. So his sister was getting notifications of everything about Cream. And that's a fact. That's documented. Mm-hmm. So that uh, put her in the lawsuit uh, because she was getting notifications of everything about Cream. Um, and the name, the title, Empire. And he himself in an interview said that she did contribute uh, to, to, uh, to Empire. Wow. So there's that. So if you notice the date on this letter from the film office, it came a month after... Empire premiered. Mm-hmm. So I went to them because uh, when I first heard that Lee produced a show about a record label, my antennas went up, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he stole my idea. That's because uh, there's a lot of things about record labels that you could do. And absolutely. yeah, totally. And I cannot have on ownership of every black storyline of someone who owns a record label. But so I watched a few episodes to see if the storylines were the same, if it was shot in the same way, if the mood was the same way. Um, he had flashbacks, just like I use, which in all of his stuff, he never used flashbacks before. But suddenly, when he did Empire, he used flashbacks, just like I use in Cream. So I thought, okay, and the storylines, uh, the paternity stuff, the family wanting 50%, specifically 50% of his, his, uh, um, of his empire, him having an, uh, a, a disease that um, 
there's going to be chronic, but can be controlled, controlled to medicine. He changed the names of all the characters and all the diseases. So his defense is that because it's all changed, even though it's the same storyline, because the names are changed, it should be considered a different uh, show. So, but getting back on point, so here we have um, uh, the film office volunteering this letter because they knew the truth, and they gave it to me. Like I said, they were my friends, and they, they, they called it as they knew it. But then I don't think they remembered what Cream was about. They just had it documented that I, I pitched Cream yeah. when, they, when they did that. So then after I, they wrote the letter, I asked them for the video. And they said, why do you want the video? Why are you asking me for all this stuff after so much time has gone by? I said, well, you know, I just want to have this as, as my own personal library. They said, okay, we'll get back to you, and, and we'll tell you about the, the video. So here's an email. Um, let's see. I want to get this from the film office. Um, oh, before I do that, let me show you the, the emails from another judge uh, who was there that day to verify that I did give all the judges uh, a DVD of of uh, of cream. Yeah, so you gave them the the a printed like a, 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 a acted out version of the show. Yes, a video of of, mm-hmm. of so you fled this this was a fully fleshed out idea that had been produced. They had been able to see and visualize it, act it out. Yes. And they had copies of it. Yes. And that email shows that uh, mm-hmm. not just Lee Daniels, but other judges had that. Yeah. Uh, and that were, did the film office ever give you the video back? No, they did not. As a matter of fact, here's an uh, a, uh, email from them. Uh, Joan Bresler at the film office. And you can see what she says there. She said, I don't have any video from 2008. I don't even know if we, if we even shot video way back then. By the way, uh... I don't have you down for two projects. Yeah, so suddenly they, they're, they're recanting their statement. They're saying, now that we think about it, yeah. now we're thinking you only pitched one, even though we documented that you pitched two. So, and the other people were, were saying, please, can you give Clayton a video? And they, they say over and over again, we don't know who shot it. They say, we don't know if there was ever a video done. We told Clayton, because I was started asking everybody in the film uh, video community in Philly, who shot that video? I know someone did. And because they were my friends at the film office, I took them at their word that they didn't remember who shot that video because they were my friends. So after looking all over the place on this wild goose chase, I found out who shot the video that day. It was a guy named Rob Cates. Yeah. And uh, Rob Cates, I found out, has been working based on his film, uh, based on his uh, his um, his web link. Uh, he says on his website, he's been working with the film office since 2004. Yeah. So for the film office to forget who they've been working with since 2004. Did you get in touch with him? Yes, I did. And I called him up. He said, I do have the video. I have the specific video that you're referring to about me being, he interviewed me and Lee Daniels was uh, was there. And because he said, wow, you and Lee Daniels are talking a long time. And I said, yeah, I, said, I think I got a deal uh, with Lee Daniels and broke down. How long everything. did y'all talk? Wow. Um, I would say between... 20 and 40 minutes. So you gave him details about... Oh, he picked my brain about every detail, every storyline. The disease that uh, I said that the lead should have, he said, oh, I don't want to do that disease, but can we do another disease? I was like, I don't care. But it's important that the lead has a disease because he said, why why would you even want uh, uh, the lead to have a disease? That's never been done. Why, Why would you want that? I said, because it's television. And the biggest thing that television needs is sponsorship. Who has more money the drug companies. He said, oh my God, that's brilliant. I never thought of that before. 
He said, okay, okay. We'll, we'll have and is all of this on tape? It was all videotaped. All of it. So I asked this guy, Rob Cates, for that video. He said, I have it, but it's the property of the Greater Philadelphia Film Office, and I cannot give it to you without their consent. I was like, so you're telling me that they knew all the time that I was looking for this video. And he said, yeah, I have the video. They will not let me give it to you unless they give me their consent. So we're, I was like, that's fine. So when we started our lawsuit, we uh, we gave a subpoena to Rob Cates to demand did, the did you get it? The video that they gave us was chopped up so much. It was like a bad episode of I Dream a Genie. One second, literally, I pop over here. Next second, I pop over there. And and so the judge said in, in his papers, I have what the judge said, um, when we bought up the video that was obviously edited, um, he said... Uh, did you depose the videographer and ask why the video looked like that? Oh, we didn't get to that point because we're only at the 12B6 stage. Mm-hmm. So we're just stating our case. And so at the, for a stating case, for those who don't know, you have to prove uh, one of three things. Well, no, all th- three things. Yeah. You have to prove that your copyright predates everyone else's, which they did not challenge. You have to prove that you have access. Usually access is the hardest thing. To prove that you had a meeting uh, with a certain and which you were able to prove, but that video which, was chopped up. Yeah, but even with that, with that letter, that letter from the film office. And what's the third? That, yeah, and the third thing is substantial similarity. And that and that was what they allegedly won on because they said that you can't, you know, the the the, the fact that he worked for a, you know, you know, a, a, he owned a record label and it was a black family and da 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 da. That was not copyrightable. But they didn't go into the storylines, so then they said the storylines. Uh, in fact. Uh, the film office, their lawyer said, and you can look this up online, they said that it wasn't a script writing competition. They said it was a film festival. And they said anyone who watches the uh, film at a film festival, it could be anyone that could have uh, could have taken the idea so that their client should be uh, out of, of the uh, lawsuit. But that's incorrect knowledge. So he spent all of his time talking about it being at a film festival when clearly it was at a Philly pitch meeting specifically to pitch ideas, not a film festival. But yet, he still won. Yeah. I don't yeah. understand that. Now, this show has made millions and well, millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. And this was your idea, that you, you say it's your idea. That's, that's uh, if people will watch the 2010 four episodes of uh, Cream that's on Amazon Prime right now, you will see the substantial similarity. But if I can touch on that, yeah. there is a legal precedent uh, established for Rice versus Fox Broad Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, and that legal precedent, uh, the judge says that if you have copyright and the stronger your proof of access is, you don't need a lot of uh, evidence for substantial similarity at the 12B6 stage, the stronger that your, your proof of access is. Mm-hmm. So if my proof of access is absolute and unchallenged, then why didn't I move forward to... Um, to summary judgment, which is the next phase. Okay, uh, for those who don't know, there's three phases of a court. Yeah. Right? There is a 12B6, motion to dismiss, there's summary judgment, and then there's the actual the jury trial. trial. Yeah. So I've never been uh, given the opportunity to go to my actual trial. It, this was thrown at, at 12B6. 12B6 is established. So you so don't even get in court without, n- without meeting the 12B6 requirements. 
And so you you because you didn't even get a chance to really do discovery. Exactly. Where there you was could, no discovery done. Where you could figure out, you know, but they're on notice with these lawsuits, though, not to throw stuff away or damage mm-hmm. it. But, I mean, arguably people will be like, oh, it was, you know, 11 years ago. We don't know where it is. The, you know, every year the ticks ticks on it gets harder and harder yes. to prove your case and so you know you have you didn't even make it into court basically we you made it you trial. didn't make it through the door exactly they've been knocking it out from the door and so you you filed this you know you went to the district court you yes. were at the third circuit yes and now you took it all the way to the u.s supreme court we are we are pleading for the supreme court to hear our case by law they don't have to uh so we're hoping that they will they will take it on so you have not, you refuse to give up. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, I, I have children. And one of the things that, I, if nothing else, I will teach my children, you don't give up on a fight if you know you're right. You do not. You you have to fight. Even if you lose, so what? At least the other person will get a black eye. You might get knocked out, but you let them know that they run a fight. You don't let anybody just victimize you. And so how do you feel? I mean, talk about this because here you are uh, laying it all out. There's a lot of people like you with these great ideas, mm-hmm. you know, and here you are going through the Philadelphia, you know, film office, yes. you know, thinking that this is all good. Um, you know, you sign up for this. You have these ideas. You pitch it. You lay it out before big names like Lee Daniels. Yes. And I mean, I mean what was going through your mind at that time? At that time, I thought I was just going to a pitch meeting and it would be all good. I had no idea at that time he owed Dame Dash $2 million. I didn't know that. That's a documented fact now. But he was broke at that time. He owed people money. Mm. He needed to come up with something at that time. Nobody told me that. I didn't know that. I thought I was talking to someone who was established, who uh, who wasn't in need of money like that. Um but I know it now. Everybody knows it now. Yeah, it was. It came. The video came out, and and you know the video did come out saying that you know um, uh, him, Dame Dash. It was like yes. an exchange between the two of them. Yes. Yeah. And if we were allowed to go to Discovery, we would have presented that as uh, showing what his character was like. Mm-hmm. But they won't allow us to show any of the other. Well, because you you didn't get a chance to go. You didn't, you're still at the door. You're exactly. still at the door. We're of the still court. at the 12b6 motion to dismiss. So just so people understand, 12b6. Is if you have a ridiculous claim against somebody, if if I were to say I wrote a movie about space aliens and I want to sue Steven Spielberg about um, Schindler's List because the aliens were kind of like you know saying that they were the the master race and they want to take over this place, that's that kind of stretch. That twelve b six is supposed to say get out of here. That don't make no sense. You're you're stretching. You know that's what it's supposed. In fact, they brought up in court uh, a case. Uh, I cannot think of the name of the case, please forgive me, but it was about a woman, I believe from New Jersey, who sued Disney, saying that the movie Frozen was about her life story. So they compared me to this woman who said that the cartoon movie Frozen was about her life. And what was it? She I mean, had access? Well, I, I don't claim. even know if they had access. It, I mean, because it's like you can't, I mean, but your <laughs> access, it seems to me that the access that he had to you. Is absolute. And the access that he had to your idea. Yes. And the access that his sister had to what was going on, yes. to me, would make it strong enough to at least get in the door. So even if you lost at trial, even if you got into the nitty gritty of the claims, it seems like to me, you know, that it's not a frivolous claim because 12B6 is designed to keep frivolous cr- claims from the court. Exactly. 
But now as it stands, and here's the, the dangerous thing right now. So now as it stands, because this is a precedent that has been established. So now anyone who has a copyright, a valid copyright, who can prove absolute access and can have uh, similar, has less than a videotape like I did, will be thrown out at 12B6 and not ever be given the opportunity to to go to summary judgment because they can now use my case as a precedent and say, you don't have more evidence than Clayton Prince did. Yeah. So if you don't have more than Clayton Prince did, then we're allowed to throw you out at 12B6. At least in the Third Circuit. I mean, right. I, I, I doubt the Ninth Circuit would allow this They can in. use it as a precedent, though. Yeah. I it, mean, well, it, but it's not absolute. I mean, the Ninth Circuit is not absolute. but yeah. and, and that's why the Supreme Court may be willing to take this up because— I I can't imagine that in the Ninth Circuit where Hollywood is, Mm -hmm. they would allow this to stand. Like this would be, you know, for people in the in the smaller filmmakers and all this, this would be devastating. Maybe they want that to stand. Maybe some of the powers that be will want people who say, "Hey, just because you have all that evidence, who else will ever have more evidence than I had? I haven't even shown you all my evidence yet. We have we're we're only halfway through my evidence, and um, it's already more than most people will ever have." Most people only have a script that they wrote. In fact, the precedent before me was Art Buckwald, Buckwald versus Paramount, when he sued about the movie Coming to America. He had, I think, a six-page outline that he was allowed to win with his six-page outline. I had hours of videotape, and they are saying that that is somehow not as significant as a six-page outline. And we and we we won't go into reasons why, but you believe there's connections here between judges and and folks that influence, that negatively influence the out, outcome of your case. I believe that this is a case, it goes beyond copyright now. I believe this is a case of evidence versus influence. And the, the thing that's going to come out of this is what is stronger, all the evidence in the world or who your friends are. Yeah. Well, if it so goes, far, if, the, if the U.S. Supreme Court takes this case, I mean, it's outside of the hands of influence that's what we're for, hoping for. From this local area. And that's all I'm asking for. And here's another interesting note. There were three other people that sued uh, Lee Daniels uh, saying that they created Empire. Uh, one gentleman was uh, a scriptwriter from New York. can't think of his name. Um, they said because he didn't have a character that was anything like Cookie, they threw it out. Um, then there was uh, a man from L.A. who was a, a self-entitled pimp. And he said that he met with Terrence Howard about doing a story about his life, and Terrence must have told Lee Daniels about this meeting and yada, 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 and that was thrown out. But there was a, another woman from Detroit, a woman who said that she that the character of Cookie was based on her life, uh, that she wrote a book, self-published, and that book, uh, she met a writer out in L.A. That was supposed to be her, her, um, her access. She met a Hollywood writer and asked the Hollywood writer to help her write a script and to produce it. And she thought that that Hollywood writer must have known Lee Daniels somehow, that everyone in Hollywood must know each other. Um, but she was allowed to get past 12B6. And that was out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. So if we have more evidence than she had, and she was allowed to get past 12B6, and her only similarities were the one character of Cookie, how in the world am I not allowed to get past 12B6? Why won't they let me have everyone depose? Why won't Lee Daniels speak up for himself and say, hey, I'll go on record and say Clayton Prince is a liar. He can call me a liar all he wants. So he has not responded to he you at say all. A word. And here's another funny thing. I did one uh, 
uh, podcast. I was talking to someone, and I, I was you know saying everything, and I, I brought some of my uh, my my information, my my evidence, and uh, I didn't know this, but they knew um, uh, Lee Daniel's sister. They call her Birdie. They knew her personally, and they're going to have Birdie kind of surprise me and call up, uh, and and I guess almost scared me or something. And uh, so I'm going through all this evidence, and she refused to call. That's that's because when you said that she was your friend on on Facebook she at the re- time, she refused, she refused to call. She refused to call. And here's another funny thing about the the family of Lee Daniels that I'm pretty sure I can say. Um, I was I was at this one function, and the sheriff of Philadelphia, Joel uh, Williams, mm-hmm. great man. I love me some Joel Williams. Anyway, uh, Joel he came over to me and he said. Uh, hey, I heard about you and your case. I just want you to know that I believe you. I was like, wow, um, I, I appreciate you saying that you believe me, but why? Why Why? why do you believe me? He said, uh, Lee Daniels' aunt used to work for me. And her. we were having a fundraiser, and we asked if he would come and help us raise money. She asked him. He made a lot of uh, financial demands, wanted uh, so much money. From what I understand, he wanted a lot of money, and he wanted first-class accommodations for him and his boyfriend to be flown in and, and hotel and whatnot. Um, so they said, we can't give you that because we're trying to raise money. He refused. So his aunt came back, allegedly, his aunt came back to the sheriff and said, uh, I'm so mad at my nephew. He won't help us. Um, and he said, well, you know, it is what it is. He said, no, no. She said, no, you don't understand. Everybody in my family knows he stole that idea, Empire. We just don't know who he stole it from. That's what the sheriff told me. If you have any questions about that, Please ask uh, Sheriff Joel Williams because I know he'll back me up on that. Wow! So, so, so that's the sheriff saying that. Yeah, he told me that uh, their family, they're there's they're like the Hatfield and the McCoys, the, the the Daniels family here. He said one half like hates the other half. He said I'm pretty sure that someone from that other half will verify this. The aunt that worked for him died. Yeah. So he said, but I'm pretty sure someone from that other half who. So owned- you basically because of all this. You know, the rumors swirling, hearsay, uh, double talk. You 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 feel even more convicted, not just based on the evidence and the access you had to Lee Daniels, but also you just feel more convicted that there this isn't just in your mind. This is you. You believe this. We should have people deposed. Maybe it was hearsay. Maybe they were all saying, you know, certain stories. Maybe they were lying. Why? Why won't everyone? Why won't the courts? allow me to depose everyone. If my claim was valid, that I have a legitimate uh, copyright from 2005, which predates everyone's, if they don't deny my access to them, which is uh, which was, uh, documented, if my show is anything at all like Empire, in fact, uh, why won't they give me my, my day in court? Did you have a cookie character? Oh, yeah. So my, my character was Brenda. So, I mean, it's it's... I, I could tell you the story, but the story is like, like Empire. The only difference is uh, Cookie was selling drugs, which is the reason why she was not involved in her adult children's life. And mine, uh, Brenda, was doing drugs, which is why she wasn't involved in the raising of her children's life. Um, and mine, uh, one of the adult children, uh, has a mental disability, which is why he would sometimes th- speak about himself in the third person. Um, in the show, he has a mental health challenges. But See, here's the, here's the, the kicker. So because they changed little things uh, in mind, uh, the son was a little bit more mentally uh, uh, and more mental illness. But technically speaking, that makes sense for someone of that level 
who speak about themselves in that way. People who are bipolar do not speak about themselves in the third person. So that's, that says that you as a writer did no research on bipolarism or you were copying off somebody's work and didn't look into it. You were using my work as a template mm-hmm. and didn't really think about what you were doing. So at this point, the the this is currently um, pending you know, before the U.S. Supreme Court, they are yes. going to look at it. They don't they just need a certain number of judges who are interested in doing this and it will get cert. Uh, what is your hope at this point? Um, honestly, uh, my hope is <laughs> to have a day in court. That is what I would love. I would love um, I, I, I don't have the influence that some of the defendants have clearly. Um in fact, you know, I, I thought the film office were my friends. Um, I thought they would have my back, but as you can see clearly uh, from the emails and the letters, mm-hmm. uh, how they've um, gone back on that. Um, I feel like right now the only friend that I need, the only friend that I can possibly have is the law. That's the only friend I need is the law. I need the law to be good to their word. I need my law to be true to his word to the wording of the law. When they say that 12B6, all I need is the proof of access and the copyright just to state a claim. That's over $20. I believe that's the law. Yeah. Um, that's all I want. I want the law to be my friend and their friend too. Um, but the law is supposed to be everybody's friend. And it's supposed to be respected. And that's all I'm asking for. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can understand why you feel so strongly about this. And why you don't give up. And we'll see if all of this pays off. That means a lot coming from you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And thanks for coming into the KYW studios and telling us your story. And y'all will be paying attention to this. We'll see what happens. Good luck to you. Thank you. And we do have a petition that's on my my Facebook page. Um, So please uh, sign that. That's uh, at Clayton Prince on Facebook. Uh, So we're trying to get as many signatures as we can for the uh, Supreme Court. All right. This has been a Flashpoint Extra. Flashpoint is KYW News Radio's weekly public affairs show. It airs every weekend on 1060 a.m. on your radio dial. And it comes on at 9.30 p.m. on Saturdays and Sunday morning at 8.30. So you can subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast for exclusive content like this extra. You can find us on the Radio.com app, the Apple Podcast app, or any podcast flat, uh, platform. All you got to do is search Flash. KYW. If there's something in your community that has you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll walk you through the flames. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. Mine is Cherry Greg. And thank you because you're a part of the Flashpoint fam. So we really appreciate you listening and subscribing to our podcast. We work really hard and we really, really care about the community. So until next time, I'm your host, Cherry Greg. Thanks for listening.